morning. My name is Caleb Lynch. Glad to be with you guys. Um, and we got a bunch this morning, so we will get into it. But you guys doing okay? Yeah. I want hanging in there? Okay. Hanging in there sometimes feels like all we're doing right now. But um, I'm excited for what God has for us today. How many of you uh, missed last week? You were not here. You did not get to experience the wonder of us cracking open the book of Hosea for the first time ever. Um, historic day. Okay, so we got to then do a little bit of review. I was going to do a pop quiz, but a lot of you weren't here, so we will spare you the pop quiz. Um, but first, first, I, I have a question for you, and you don't need to answer it. It's more of one of those questions that you don't have to answer type, okay? Um, the question is, do you ever have those moments where you know you're not crazy, but you feel crazy? Like, you're like, I know I'm not crazy, but I feel crazy, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah? Okay, you didn't have to answer, but some of you did. Um, the other day, I decided I want to start running again. For a lot of different reasons, we won't get into them, but I wanted to start getting in shape. And so I decided I'm going to start running, and I've got some older running shoes that are kind of not holding up as well. And so I really wanted to buy these expensive running shoes, but they were like $160, so I didn't do that. So I went to Target. And I bought some less expensive running shoes, still more than what a preacher's salary budget should buy. But I bought these shoes, and I'm all excited. I'm getting ready to go run. And I put them on, and they just don't feel right. You know, like they're like, not, something's not right about them. And I was like, that's what I get for trying to save a few dollars. And so um, I've got these things on, and I, I can't really figure out what's going on. And I'm like, am I losing it right now? Like, why do these shoes not feel like shoes? Like, why do I feel like I'm wearing like, I don't know, something different. And so I, either way, I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for a run. So I, I head out my front door, go for a run. And I'm like, no more than 20 steps into the run. And I'm like, I'm losing it. Like, what is going on? What are on my feet? What, it, what am I feeling? Like, did my feet shrink? Like, and my, one of my foot, what, what, how do you say it? One of your feet is sliding with inside of one of my shoes. And I cannot figure out what's going on. I'm looking at them. I'm like, they seem normal. They have laces and everything seems to be working. So I'm running, running, running. And I, I'm having the hardest time keeping one of my shoes on my feet. And I'm thinking like, did my foot shrink? Like what, what is going on? So I finally stop running because I'm like, I, I can't make this work. And I take off my sock because I think, well, maybe that's what it is. The sock is too slippery. So now I'm thinking, well, if I can get my foot good and sweaty, it'll stick within the shoe a little better. And I'm literally, all this is going through my head. And I'm like, Caleb, you've lost it. You've snapped. You finally, they say you snap at some point and you finally snapped. And I'm thinking, should I call the elders and tell them I can't preach this Sunday? And sure enough, I put my shoe back on with no sock, other shoe fully socked. I'm carrying a sock and I'm running, 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 and I still can't keep this shoe on my foot. And I'm like, what is the deal? So I finally get home. I go and I look at the shoe box. I'm like, well, maybe they weren't the right size. So I look at the shoe box, sure enough, 10 and a half. And I'm like, holy mackerel, take the shoe off, take my first shoe off, 10 and a half, take the next shoe off, and it's a 12. <laughs> and I literally, no one else is in the room, and I said, see, I'm not crazy. Like that moment of like, I should be angry that I bought a 10 and a half and a 12, but I'm not. I'm so thankful that I haven't lost my mind. And Kaylee walks in the room and she was in the other room and I'm like, look at the shoes. I'm not crazy. And she's like, what? What's going on? I said, look, look they're different sizes. She's like, okay, okay, you're, you're fine. You know? So anyways, that was my little moment. Um, and I was going to tie that into the message somehow. 
I'm telling you, I'm losing it. I'm not well, right? Um, here's, here's what I want to say. Uh, there will be times in this life where following Jesus makes you feel like you're going crazy. Like, have I lost it? Have, have, am I sure this is, this is the right plan? Um, you saw a little bit of it last week in this book of Hosea. We're going to see more today, and it gets even a little bit wackier in a couple of weeks. Um, but if I was Hosea, which I'm thankful I am not, but if I was Hosea, there would be times where I would be asking the question, am I going crazy? Like, have, have I lost my mind? Did God just actually ask me to do what I think he just asked me to do? Am I losing it? Before we get any further, I want to I tell you this, and it, it probably goes without saying, but I want to say it. Um, you're, you're not going crazy by choosing Jesus. You're just, you're just not. And um, I, I believe with full confidence that it is the way, that he is the way, that he is the hope, that he is life, that he is fullness of life. And uh, I know there are times where it feels like, did I play the fool? You haven't played the fool. This is uh, the greatest story ever told. This is the hope for all humanity. This is the only way you get home. And uh, this is life to the fullest. It's found in his name. Can I pray for us? Lord, uh, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for your prophet Hosea, who steps into some messy, messy stuff, but he does it because he believes you, and he trusts you, and he knows you're behind it. And uh, Lord, we give you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some of you weren't here last week. Uh, the book of Hosea, it's a short book. It's a minor prophet. Minor prophets are minor because the book is smaller than the major prophets. Remember that? That was going to be on the quiz. But uh, we're not doing a quiz this week. So that's part of it. Um, Hosea is uh, a prophet. Prophets aren't super loved during this time, but everyone kind of knows that they're, they're in tight with God. And so people kind of listen to them, but don't always love exactly what they're saying. And at one point, the, the story opens, and, and it says God asks Hosea to go and take a wife, and to get, to get a wife and to marry a wife. And he, he takes it a step further. He says, but I want you to go uh, down to the red light district and find your wife there. Um, and he goes, you, you sure, God? God goes, yeah, that's the plan. And so the story has it. He goes and does that, and things are going well. They have three kids. The, the gal's name is Gomer. They have three kids. Uh, God asks Jose and Gomer to name their kids some kind of funky names, some weird names, kind of almost confusing names. We get to see towards the end of chapter 2 why those names were what they were and the restoration of that. But things are going uh, well. Or it seems they're going well. And then um, kind of where we left off last week, at the end of chapter 2, um, one night, the door cracks open and Gomer sneaks out. And she heads back into the world that she once was trapped in. And she leaves the family. And she chooses to go back into... Um, this world of adulterous living, unfaithfulness. She leaves her husband and her kids, and she goes back into what once was a comfortable world for her 
which once was a world that she thought she was finding fulfillment and life, and uh, she runs back to it. And, and, and through the poetic words of Hosea, it's clear that, um, that he tried to keep her from going. Maybe night after night he would beg her, don't leave, don't leave. But finally she's gone for good. And so fast forward now. We open up chapter 3. We start in chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, that's, that's where we're going to be today. We're just going to be in chapter 3. We're not going to go any further. We'll cover a ton of ground the next couple of weeks. But for this week, we'll just be in chapter 3. So open your Bibles. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Here we go. Then the Lord said to me, this is, this is uh, Hosea, the Lord speaking to. Then the Lord said to me, go again. Go again. Love a woman who is loved by her husband yet an adulteress. Even as the Lord loves the sons of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. So I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a half of barley. A couple of things. Um, you can leave it up for a little bit, but a couple of things. The first thing is there, there's uh, theologians will have a bit of uh, discussion on, is he describing another wife that he's going to take, a, a new separate wife from Gomer, or is he going back to regain and bring back Gomer for himself again? And, and the conclusion for most is that this is Gomer, and I believe it is Gomer. I believe the narrative in which God is trying to describe about his relationship between himself and the people of God of Israel um, this, this holds true to the consistency of that. So when you see this part that says, then the Lord said to me, go again and love a woman, uh, it, this is Gomer again. He's saying, go, go get her back. Does that make sense? Tracking with me? Second thing uh, that just needs to not be skipped is the raisin cakes. You have God Almighty, okay, over here, that has promised life and fullness and protection and you will be my people and I will be your God and I will be with you and I will protect you. And they say, no thank you, we're going we're gonna to stick with raisin cakes. <laughs> right? Like, does that seem funny to you? And no wonder he's so ticked off. Right? Like, if you read in chapters 1 and 2, you see this God who is at one point, like, just so sad. And at the other point, he's got this love. And then there's this other part of him that's, like, angry. And you go, why is he so angry? Well, because they chose raisin cakes over him. Right? Like, that would make anyone mad. I'll give you a little uh, analogy to my life. I'm 12 years old, and um, my wife, she's not my wife at the time. Long story, we met when we were like two, and then now we're married, and um, we love each other a lot. At 12, though, um, she decides she's going to go to the dance, the school dance, with another boy. And... Um, and here's the deal, I'm, I'm pretty upset because quite frankly, he's raisin cakes, if you know what I mean. And I'm, at the time, I'm not much. I mean, I'll admit I was maybe more like a churro, you know, but, but either way, had he been like an upgrade, I might not have been as mad, but um, we love each other. I love you, dear. It's just a good little story. Um, raisin cakes. I'm fine. It's been 22 years. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, a homer. You see a measurement in there. Uh, so I bought her for myself for 15 shekels of silver 
and a homer and a half of barley. Uh, this word homer, it's kind of an interesting measurement. It's, um, it's the weight in which a donkey could tow. That's what a homer is. So how much is that? Well, it looks like about a donkey could tow that. That's a homer. That was the measurement. And so this is a homer and a half of, of barley. Um, important to know that uh, some will say that uh, the barley was for a real significant piece, and I believe this to be true. We'll get into it in a second. But I want to I share with you in... in um, in Exodus 21, you can go there, I think it's towards uh, verse 30, you don't have to go there now, but it describes what the price of a slave would be. And the price of a slave was 30 shekels, 30 pieces of silver. Um, I'll say it a different way, the price to buy a life was uh, 30 pieces of silver. There was another guy later on in history that would be bought for 30 pieces of silver and hung on a cross. Um, the interesting thing that scholars will tell you here is that that um, value of a homer of barley was the equivalent of 15 shekels. So he pays for her with 15 silver coins, 15 shekels, and then the equivalency of that in barley. Is that making sense? Um, this would have been about 40 gallons of barley. It's probably close to... Uh, what they would describe this amount as. Um, if, if you, if, if you they, I think they talk about this in, in the book of Numbers, but a slave person um, would have received a, a, a portion of about four gallons of barley a month was their allotted portion. And so some would say uh, this amount of barley uh, indicates that he is paying back what Gomer consumed for 10 months about. So maybe that's how long she was gone. We don't really know why he would have used barley instead of just paying the normal rate of 30 shekels. Is this making sense? I have some ideas on it and I will share them with you in a little bit. Surprise. I... Uh, I want to add something. I, I took this out of my notes originally, but I, I put it back in. I kept being nudged to say it. And I don't know if it's for anyone in this room. I don't know if it's for anyone that's watching online. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's for anyone. Um, Hosea had every right to leave his wife, right? Like, like even biblically, he had every single right in the books to leave his wife. He could have left her. He could have turned the other way and let her run off into what she was doing. Um, but he, he didn't. He pursued her and he, and he, and he bought her back. Um, many, many of you, many of us at times have situations in our marriages where we have every right to leave our spouse. Um, I want to encourage you just because you have the right doesn't always mean that it's right. Um, there are times where it makes sense. There's abuse or things that, that, that um, need some separation, but um, just because you have the right to do something doesn't mean it's always the right thing to do. And I, I don't know if that's for anyone, I don't know, but God just kept nudging me to say, uh, leave that in your notes. Let's, let's keep rolling. 
Then I said to her, you shall stay with me for many days. So he's just bought her back, right? You shall stay with me many days. You shall not play the harlot, nor shall you have a man. So I will also be towards you. For the sons of Israel will remain for many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or sacred pillars, and without ephod or household idols. Afterwards, the sons of Israel will return, and they will seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his goodness in the last days. It's a beautiful picture. Uh, Hosea, in a sense, he's just bought his wife back. He's just brought her now back to the home. And the first thing he does is he begins to renew his vows to her. To renew his vows to her. Some will say that that statement, uh, nor shall you, uh, where does it say? Um, nor shall you have a man, so I will also be towards you. Some will say that he is saying, I will be faithful to you. I will not take a woman, another woman, nor shall you take another man. Some think that's what he's saying. Um, I don't think it's consistent with what comes right after it. I think what he is saying to her is the way in which you used to engage with a man, we're not going to do that for a while. I don't want you to misplace who I am and what I am bringing to the table for you with how you have been treated and how you have been taken advantage of. He's saying there's going to be a season where we're going to go without that piece to our relationship so that in the days to come, you will come back to me because of my goodness because I didn't take advantage of you or give you the things that you thought you deserved the way you thought you deserved them. And, he, and so he goes into this prophetic language about the people of the sons of Israel will remain many days without their king. Remember, they begged for a king. He, they'll go without their sacrifices, their sacred pillars, their, their ephods, their household idols. These many days from when Hosea is describing this until the one who will come, the Davidic king, which is very messianic, till the one who will come, his name's Jesus, 750 many days. And they did not have those things. They were removed because they were scattered. The people of God did not have their house of worship. So he's describing a season, a period of time, where you actually will be wooed back to me because we are not going to do the things we've always done. You're going to be drawn back to me because of my goodness and my faithfulness and my loving kindness. There's a verse that says, um, I am drawn into repentance. I am drawn to turn back to God because of his loving kindness. It is your loving kindness that leads me to repentance. That's what we're seeing right here. Beautiful thing. In this time, in this uh, season of God's people, they had a ton to fear God about, to tremble about. The, the, the wrath of God during this time seemed heavy. It seemed like oftentimes things would move and shift and you go, what is he up to? There, there was honest fear and trembling in those days. But he's saying there will be a day that will come 
where it will still feel like trembling as you come, but you will be being drawn in by his goodness, by his love. That's what he's describing. We are in that day right now. It says that the wrath of God was satisfied by Jesus Christ on the cross. Tracking? You with me? Okay, let's replay the story. Gomer's gone. She's gone back into a life of adultery, into sin, into um, giving her body away. And God says to Hosea, he says, it's time to go get her back. It's time to go get her back. And Hosea, you can imagine, goes, what? What? Do you you know how many days I've had to tell my kids what's going on and I don't know how to say it to them? Do, do, Do you understand what she's done to our home? I know. Go get her back. You can imagine Hosea going to his friend's house and saying, "Look, look. I, here's what God told me to do. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to do it." And so I have this picture in my mind of Hosea after the kids have gone down to bed, heading back out into the city at night, heading back to the usual spots in which. She might have been. Now understand, this is a man of God. This is a holy man of God. And the places, the messy places that he would have had to go to search to find his gal would have been shameful. I don't know if he was wearing some kind of cloak. I don't know if he was disguising himself. But I imagine seeing him go out night after night looking for her. And coming up empty-handed. I wonder if, 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 he would find, if he would find men coming out of these places and, and, and in desperation be like, hey, have, you seen, have you seen my wife? The shame that it must have brought his home. The shame that it must have brought him. God, I trusted you. And, and, and then, she, then she went and she... Abandoned us, God. And I imagine one night he's laying in bed and he's, he's wrestling with God like, really, really, really this is what you want me to do? And he goes, um, Jose, I, I told you to go buy her back. And he goes, buy, buy her back, that's right. Oh no, that's right. She's no longer just she's no longer just in the red light district. She's now um, she's now a slave. She's not she's not just some woman to be with. She's now a slave. And the next scene we see, the next words we see are him saying, "So I bought her back." What must that have been like? That next night he runs out and he goes to the part of town that you never go to. This is no longer just the brothels. This is, this is the, the slave trade. 
Many scholars will tell you the fact that he made a payment on the spot means she was probably on the auctioning block. Can you imagine that scene of him coming around the corner and seeing his wife, the one who he had raised three kids with, standing, maybe partially clothed, I don't, I don't know, maybe chained to some post, Maybe some gruff man holding on to her wrist. Maybe someone here yelling out auction prices. And he comes around the corner and he just looks at her for a second and she catches eyes with him. And what does she do? Well, she, she puts her head down. She's embarrassed. She knows what she's done. And before yelling out any kind of money offer to buy her back, he walks right up to her. And he says, Gomer, it's me, your husband. It's time to come home. And the man standing next to her goes, excuse me, sir, who'd you call her? Well, her name's Gomer. That's not the name we call her. <laughs> if you're going to call her by that name, you're going to have to pay the price. And he goes, but sir, you don't understand. Like, she's my wife. Like, like she, that's, that's my wife. And he goes, I, I don't care who you think she is or who you think she belongs to. If you want her, there's a price. And so I imagine Hosea going, well, well um, what's the price? And he goes, that'll be 30 shekels to you, sir. That'll be 30 shekels. Well, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't have, I don't have 30 shekels. I'm just a prophet. I'm just a preacher on a preacher's salary. Can I get an amen? I don't have 30 shekels. Well, you better find a way to pay. If you want this lady back, I'll keep her here for you for a little bit, but you better get those 30 shekels. So he runs home and he, he opens up underneath the carpet where he keeps his stash of, of savings and he's got, he's got 15 shekels and he realizes, oh my gosh, I do have 30 shekels. So he runs out to go pay the price for his wife and, and right before he gets there, he has to pass through the market. And all of a sudden he smells the barley. And uh, he says, uh, I'll take 15 shekels worth of barley. Let's do a donkey's load, why don't we, while we're here. And so he returns back to the man who has his wife. And he says, here's what I got. I've got, I've got 15 shekels here of silver. And I've got 15 shekels worth of barley. I'd like to pay for her in that amount. And the man goes, well, no one's ever done that before. And he goes, I know, I know. Do you, do you, do you have a Bible on you? And the guy goes, I, uh, anyone got a Bible? Not in this part of town. No, we don't got no Bibles. He goes, well, good, I brought one. Here, I want you to open up to Numbers 5. So the guy with his wife, he's holding her and he's thumbing through the book and he realizes what Numbers 5 says. And Numbers 5 says that in order to write the slate clean, for an adulterous, unfaithful wife, you must present barley to the high priest to wipe her slate clean and to have the sacrifice be done on her behalf. The atonement for her sin, her unfaithfulness. 
And the guy looks at him, and he goes, here's your wife. Take her home. So he goes home, and he says to his wife, um, Gomer, it's going to be a little different. You've been trying to find your fulfillment in the way that guys look at you and the way that guys treat you and the way that guys sleep with you, and um, we're not going to do it that way for a little while. I love you so much that we have to erase that memory from your head. I'm going to love you. I'm going to unconditionally love you. I'm going to treat you well. I'm going to take care of you. You're not going back over there. Not this time. You're mine. I have bought you back to myself. This was not the only time that this, um, this exchange happened. This is not the only time that this exchange took place in our history. And no offense to any of you, but in this story, um, you're Gomer. And, and I'm Gomer. And um, if you remember from week one, we described the name of Hosea is the exact same name as Yeshua, which is the exact same name for salvation. And uh, in this story, there's another guy whose name is Hosea, and he is Yahweh. He is Jesus. He is Yeshua. And I don't know if you remember, but how the story starts out is, is, um, is God creates... And he puts human beings on this planet. And remember our, our homeboy Adam and our girl Eve, remember them? In the garden, like the first scene we see. God says, I've got all of this for you, all of this blessing for you. And they go, no way, we're, we're good with like the raisin cakes. Well, we'll give it a different name, like an apple tree. And God goes, really? You're going to trade all of this for that? And they go, yeah, 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 this, this feels good. We feel like we're in control. Story has it. That human race that started there, uh, the Bible says we became slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. Like literally, we were put back on the slave market because of our sin. And one day... God says to his son Jesus, it's time to go buy him back. It's time to go buy him back. And he's like, but like, aren't they already ours? Like, why would I have to buy back something that is already mine? Because you see, sin has got them enslaved. And now we've got to pay the price to buy them back. Do you guys know that? Um, it says in, in Psalms, It says in Psalms 24.1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it therefore, the world and those who dwell in it therein. Do you know you already belong to him? And yet, it says that before he even made you, he knew you. Jeremiah 5, 1, 5. Isn't that crazy? Before the foundation of the earth, it says the lamb was slain. 
It says somehow God in his infinite wisdom knew of our adultery. Knew what was about to come. Kind of like maybe he had God in some ways uh, originally pursue an adulterous wife from the get-go. Like somehow knowing that if love was going to stick, that if love was going to win, that it had to be done a different way. And so he lets the adultery of humanity play out. And then he, um, he goes, we've got to go buy them back. We've got to go buy them back. One of my favorite scenes, he's, Jesus has now showed back up onto earth in preparation to do the buying back. And one night he's sitting uh, with his newfound group of disciples. This is in Matthew 9 and uh, verse 10. And Jesus reclined at a table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, Jesus, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick, uh, but those who are sick. And then he says these words to them. Listen to these words, what he says to the Pharisees. He says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. That I desire mercy and not sacrifice, guess where that quote comes from? Hosea. Jesus is saying, look, I, I came to be Hosea. I came to buy her back a second time. It's beautiful. And so it's, it's the night before he buys his wife back, the wife being humanity. And he's got this conversation in a garden. He's sweating blood. He's so nervous about what this will cost him. And he cries out these words, is there any other way? God, is there any other way? And God says, no, this, this is the price. It's what it costs. Yeah, but I thought they were ours already. They are. But we got to win them back. And so he says, okay, if that's the price, then I'll pay it. If that's the price, then I'll pay it. If you can't find yourself in this story, it's really hard to appreciate the work of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. I say this because um, we are in that day where um, my prayer is that we would be a people that are constantly in a position of falling at our knees before the Father because of His goodness where we are undone by it, where it almost looks like trembling because we're going, oh my gosh, you did that for me? You did that for me?
It's amazing. He's hanging on the cross. He's paying the payment, and his words out of his mouth are for, for forgive them. It's kind of like um, those words on the cross. We know that the blood shed by Jesus was what wiped us clean, cleaned our slate of our infractions against him. It's almost kind of like he's saying, look, I'm paying the payment. I'm paying the 15 shekels. I'm paying the cost of what it should cost all those who have sinned. But we also got to wipe the slate clean to give him a new name. We also got to get some barley involved. It's almost like he's saying, wipe their slate clean. I'm, I'm making the payment right now so that their slates can be wiped clean, so that they can have a fresh start. You see, um, in order that you set, are set free from slavery, you have to be bought out. It says we were slaves to sin, but he bought us so that he could make us slaves of what? Righteousness. And in order for you to be redeemed, restored, reinstated, someone has to clean your slate clean. And that's what he did. Now, it might take you a long time. It might take us a long time to realize what he did. But I will tell you this, when you do realize what he did, you will find yourself trembling and falling at his feet and thanking him because of his goodness, because of his faithfulness, because of his loving kindness towards you. You see, this is a story about a guy named Hosea and a girl named Gomer. This is a story about a God and a people of Israel. But this is a story of all humanity and a God who said, I tend to keep my promises and I will keep my promises. And when I say that I have an everlasting love for you and that I will get you home and that any who believe in my name will be found righteous, will be found holy, will be found blameless, and will have a new identity. He says, I intend to keep that promise, and I will keep it until the end. And that is the story that we have right here in front of us in the story of Hosea and Gomer. Beautiful story, huh? Let me, uh, let me take us into a time of communion. We, so we take communion. Uh, it's, if you've never done it with us, I've seen a couple new faces in here today. If you've never done communion, uh, what we do is um, right after the message, we do this every single Sunday, we take a little bit of juice and a little bit of bread, and we've got them set up in, in stations um, so you can just get up when you feel ready. Um, but we take this, and it's just a symbolic. We take it in a way to say, God, we remember that you bought us back. We remember that we were rightfully yours, but that our sin kept us running and turning away from you, and you said, enough's enough, I'm buying them back, they are mine forever. And so we celebrate that reality by we take this bread and this cup. And so do that, we've got a few more worship songs, um, but I love you guys, and uh, thankful to get to share this story with you. Let me pray. Lord, what kind of love is this? That, um, that you would lay down your life for us, for the ones who ran away from you, for the ones who tried to fulfill ourselves apart from you, for the ones who mocked your name. You said, um, I love them so much, I'm going to buy them back.
And you did that for us, Lord. And so we thank you. Where would we be without you? We love you and we give you this day, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.